0: Welcome to the Idea Fit Pro Show with your host, Sandy Todd Webster.
1: Welcome, everyone, and thanks so much for tuning in to the Idea Fit Pro Show. I'm your host, Sandy Webster, and today I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Dr. Cody Seip, co founder and vice president of the Functional Aging Institute. Dr. Seip has an extensive background in the fitness industry with 20 years of experience as a personal trainer, fitness instructor, program director, exercise physiologist, and club owner. He is currently an associate professor and director of clinical research in the physical therapy program at Harding University. He has spent his career researching, developing, and practicing the most effective training strategies to improve function in older adults. He is certified as an ACSM Exercise Specialist, ACSM Registered Clinical Exercise Physiologist, Fall Proof Balance and Mobility Enhancement Specialist, and more. His secondary area of expertise is in the prevention and management of chronic disease conditions, especially those that accompany the aging process, such as arthritis, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and osteoporosis. In 2005, he was honored with the IDEA Program Director of the Year Award. He has presented internationally, served on boards and committees, and published articles for most of the top fitness organizations in the world. We have a lot of great topics to cover, so let's get right to it. Welcome, Dr. Cody Sipe. Thank you for joining me on the IdeaFit Pro Show today.
0: Well, thank you so much for inviting me. Looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, it's so great to see you. Um, yeah, you too. I, I'm going to start with a quick trip down memory lane here. I remember meeting you for the first time, and it's going to date both of us, <laughs> back <laughs> back in 2005 at the Idea World Convention, right after you were named Ideas Program Director of the Year. And so it's, you know, like everything in life speeding by, it's just hard to believe that it's been over 16 years since I first met you. Um, And the the fitness industry itself has certainly seen a lot of change in that time. And so has your career path. Um, So if you could start by giving our listeners um, a high level overview of your career pursuits since then, and bring us up to date with what you're working on today.
0: Yeah, so much has changed since then uh, you know for sure especially for me and kind of what i've been up to but you know at, at the time i was actually really shocked to even get that award you know i had a, I, I was not really in the fitness industry you know i was i was getting my phd i, I was working with older adults and a number of different programs and had a c- close colleague that said I, i'm going to nominate you i really want you to 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 apply for this and i was like you know, I, don't, I didn't speak at fitness conferences at the time. You know, I, I just wasn't really out there. And so, after winning that, I was like, "Wow, that was—I I really appreciated that the that the work I did was being valued." But I also saw, "Wow, there's such a great need for the information I was learning to get out there to others." And so that really sparked me to to get more involved in the fitness industry. Um, and so I've been doing, you know, a lot of speaking since then. Uh, You know we um have started uh, we started our own fitness company miracles fitness a a training studio for older adults founded fai i've been now in my current position uh here at harding university in a doctoral physical therapy program for 11 years now Mm. all right i I joined the faculty right when they got started and you know i'm the only non-physical therapist on faculty and even when they were looking at hiring me i was like why do you why do you want me i'm not a physical therapist and they said look we we really want to have an an exercise focused program we want that to be a big piece of what we're doing and so my background in in working with older adults also working with you know people with chronic diseases was a really good fit so i've been here for past 11 years and doing a lot of, you know, academic stuff, number of research projects and and service projects, serving on different committees, that sort of thing. But over the time, you know, FAI has really uh, grown and I've been able to uh, really travel around the world, which has been great. And I've got a big family, so I, I try to limit how much I travel. <laughs> so I try to be very selective. So, you know, going to some some new places has been great. I think I've been able to get to about 10 different countries so far. And I've got Several new ones uh, being scheduled for next year. Now that we can hopefully get over the, the COVID uh, slump here with, with travel. So, sure. really excited about that. It's just taken me places that, that uh, you know, it was a trajectory that I never thought about really, you know, for my career. So, it's been pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, that's that's so awesome. I'm curious, you know, you mentioned uh, being the only non-PT on staff at at Harding. I'm just curious what some of those conversations with your PT colleagues are like. What do they come to you for specifically? Like what what does your voice and your experience lend to what you all are doing there?
0: Yeah, so I've really tried to take um, an evidence based approach. That's that's a term that's used. Uh, quite a bit now in medicine and healthcare, and trying to bring, especially uh, the evidence related to training older adults and the fact that so many physical therapy clients are now older adults, you know, over half of the of the client sessions that are served are, are, are older adults. Um, and so regardless of what special area you have to go in to, you've got to learn about how to treat and train older adults. And with physical therapy, it's just like other areas of medicine, there's all sorts of stereotypes and and old ageist approaches that are just embedded in in care models and how people think about older adults. So my voice is really trying to focus on the very positive aspects of aging and and training for older adults and, and trying to get physical therapists to take the opportunity they have with an older adult to not just treat whatever issue they're treating, But to look at the whole person and say, look, this person wants to live their best life at 70, 80, and 90. You've got a great opportunity here Mm -hmm. to to do something with them beyond just help their their sore shoulder. So really trying to get the, the therapy world to think a little bit different about not just treating their older adult clients, but starting to train their older adult clients as well.
1: Would you say the, the model at Harding that brings you in as part of that multidisciplinary team, is that unique or do you see more of that happen, happening either in the therapy world or in academia or in other places?
0: Well, in academia, most of the uh, physical therapy programs are going to have other healthcare professionals that are, that are going to be on board with their team. So One of our um, uh, faculty members he's a PT but he's also a PA we used to have an MD uh, on our staff as well faculty as well, and you see that in in PT programs. But I I do rarely see that there's a an exercise professional an exercise physiologist on faculty uh, in these programs, I hope that that's changing I really do because. Uh, especially even in physical therapy, they are recognizing the need for more and more of an exercise focus. And they're seeing the field change. As as I talk to my students, like between fitness and therapy, where's the line, Mm -hmm. right? There isn't one. It's it's blurring. It's all a gray area. A lot of what what, uh, uh, fitness professionals are doing could really be considered therapeutic. I'd say all exercise is therapeutic, but also the physical therapist, they need to be doing more about the training uh, on side of things, because they're now thinking about well, what about prevention? What about recurrence? What we you know? What are the underlying issues that are creating the problems in the first place? Well, it's because people are completely sedentary, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's a big part of it. So, in academia, I don't see it happening nearly as much as I do in the field. The field mm-hmm. of physical therapy is definitely opening up and starting to. Um, embrace more of what we classically call fitness.
1: So super innovative and um, hopefully look for more of this to to come in at least the therapy world, you know, blending our expertise with uh, that of physical therapists and other allied health professionals. Definitely. So much of your career has been dedicated to developing really innovative, evidence-based training programs for older adults through the Functional um, Aging Institute trainings and certifications. I wanted to dig a little deeper into uh, the trajectory of what you and your co-founder, Dr. Dan Ritchie, have built. So since your inception in 2013, how has the business changed and has it met your vision for what you thought it could be?
0: well i think we've we've uh had a good impact Uh, we've come a long way we've grown i think we have a a long way to go still um, from from really making a true impact on society you know so our thought has always been how many older adults can we truly impact and the way we're going to impact those older adults are through the fitness professionals that we're educating Mm -hmm. so the fitness professionals are are just kind of a a way to get to Making an impact uh, in the older adult population. So, uh, you know, we've we've currently uh, had about five thousand people from uh, the U.S. and different countries take our uh, primary course, uh, functional aging specialist certification course. More that have taken some of the other courses that that we've um, developed. But you know, to me, I'm like that's great. I'm very happy for that. But it's definitely not enough. You know, we we really want to reach you know ten times that many trainers. And the reason we want to do that and the reason I'm so passionate about it is because I know that what I'm training is evidence-based, it's practical, it works, uh, it breaks through a lot of the stereotypes that we see out there or some of the one-dimensional training techniques that are utilized often, you know, with older adults. And exercise is powerful. So almost any type of exercise you do with an older adult is going to have some sort of benefit. But our thought has always been, how can we maximize the functional benefit, right? How, what is that approach, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and the evidence is always changing. So like just recently, just this past year, I did a complete revamp and update and expansion of the functionalizing specialist course, because, you know, you, you develop something, as soon as you develop something and, and get it, you're like, man, I wish I would have done this. And, and what about this? And what about this? And you can't capture everything uh, in one course, but that's, uh, where I'm very, very uh, happy that we've been able to partner with a lot of great experts who have built some of those additional components related to balance and corrective exercise and brain health training and, you know, Tai Chi, all these other elements that people can then go into a little bit more deeply. Um, so I, I think we've got a long way to go, but I'm I'm very thankful. Uh, we've been very blessed in, in I think, the how this resonates with so many fitness professionals. That's what I've been really happy about. You know, Colin Milner, with the International Council on Active Aging. So a number of years ago, you know, when they got ICA off the ground, they were really focused on the fitness industry. And what they found out was the fitness industry wasn't quite ready to hear this message that, hey, the older adults are coming, get ready. You know, Mm -hmm. they weren't quite ready. And so they've had a lot of great success with retirement communities and retirement villages. So I think they you know, were some of the people that laid the groundwork for for what we're doing now. I think we we benefited from that. Um, but I think there is a readiness now. People, fitness professionals do realize, wow, there's a lot of older adults out there. And oh, my goodness, they're great to train and you, you get great results with them and they love you for it. and You change their life. You change their life. You change your grandkids life. You know, it's, it's very powerful.
1: So clearly you still see a lot of growth in the functional aging market for fit pros who want to choose this as a specialty. So with that in mind, what is your your best advice for a trainer who thinks they may want a career serving older adults? How should they lay out their career path or their trainings?
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good question. There definitely is a lot of opportunity. You know, I, I typically joke, um, at, you know, when I give uh, workshops and stuff that, You know i got into uh, this area of training older adults right at the right time because we were experiencing this boom right right at the beginning of this boom and the growth of the 65 plus population but when you look out to even the year 2100 it hasn't leveled off yet so this is a great career opportunity for everybody you know in fitness uh, because the, the, the consumer market is gonna be there. And I think it's gonna continue to evolve and change over the years as the older adult population evolves and changes, but huge opportunity. So it's, it's one of those areas that um, there's a lot of different paths that you can take, I think, and come out in a really, really good place. But you know, getting uh, a, some sort of degree or personal training uh, certification that's kind of your gives you your basic nuts and bolts of what you need to know. Uh, is of course how you start, and then getting in some experience and try, trying. If this a population that I really want to train, um, i you know I've given uh, lectures about kind of the business side of things, the opportunity, and I'll have trainers come up to me afterwards and go, "Man, I, I know this is such a great opportunity for my business, for my career." But I just don't really like training older adults. I'm like, great, don't train older adults, right? I don't want you to train them just because, see, there's money there, right? right. I want you to train them because you, you're really excited about training them. Um, and so you've got to get some experience to really find out, is this something I want to do? Um, some people think they want to do it and then they do it and don't like it. And then there's the opposite, right? They never thought they would train older adults and then loved it. I was one of those people, you know, my experience with older adults when I was younger was not positive Mm -hmm. from my from my grandparents to some experiences I had it was not good and so when I got into my master's program and we were working with all older adults in our cardiac rehab program I was not looking forward to it really and but then I fell in love with them and realized hold on there, there are two different sides to to older adults right and I wanted people to live kind of the robust, energetic, fun side that I worked with in the people in my master's program. So that really uh, uh, kind of created a, a passion that I didn't even know was there. So I really encourage people to open up, you know, their experiences, get some experiences with different types of older adult markets and see what really fits. Because even within the older adult kind of population, there's all sorts of different layers. You know, we kind of have this eight uh, level model for function in older adults. And it kind of goes from the elite athlete all the way down to the disabled dependent person and everything in between. Well, if you like working with the more robust, active older adult, you don't have to work with the frail, right? You can can choose to not work with that population. Whereas some people, that's exactly who they want to work with, right? Mm -hmm. So you get to choose even within the older adult market, what kind of area you want to focus on what type of person you want to focus on. So definitely get some experience. And then, of course, getting some more specific education and training related to older adults, understand a little bit more about the older adult physiology, about some chronic conditions, medications, but also um, just training techniques that are evidence-based. And that's kind of the void that we've tried to fill all along is kind of that evidence-based approach instead of that um, I'm going to say stereotypical senior fitness approach, right? That, that we see oftentimes, especially in like retirement homes and, and other places, you see that uh, a lot. So that's kind of where you start. And, and then where you go from there is really up to you. But I, what I've really benefited from personally is branching outside of just the older adult training aspect. So going to biomechanics courses, going to chronic disease courses, going to mind-body courses, those are, have. I mean, I, I'm still developing, right? I, I'm still, we should all be lifelong learners. And so I'm still developing my own thoughts and processes and philosophies and techniques and strategies related to older adults. So the more I kind of bring those in, I find myself pulling in those pieces right. you know, that I think are very valuable. Um, whereas honestly, before when I was younger, like I, I was like, no, I don't want to learn any of that stuff. Right? I just want to. This is all all I need to know. And you realize, hey, the the, the more broad type of experiences you get, the more tools you ha- you're going to have in your toolkit to help people.
1: Right. And people are multidimensional, and so you need a lot of you need to draw from a lot of different places in your experience and your yep. learnings. Um, Well, you mentioned earlier that you you have recently rewritten some of your certification materials um, based on changing evidence, and I think part of that is um, a point you brought up pre-interview with one of the talking points you sent me, and that's how older adults are defying stereotypes of aging and really kind of redefining what growing older means so um if you could share a few of the observations about what you're seeing in that realm and what it means for coaches and personal trainers who want to work with this population
0: yeah absolutely to me this is probably one of the most exciting things about the what's happening right now kind of in society and related to the older adult population Um, they are redefining uh, what that experience means like it's not younger people saying, this is what you should be when you're 70 or 80. They're saying, no, this is what I want to be. And before it was the opposite, right? So when kind of the greatest generation, those traditional seniors, when they got up into those older age groups, they didn't really know what to do because they didn't have huge numbers before them to tell them what that's supposed to look like. So they, oh, I retire, right? I sit back, I relax. So I just kind of hang out and kind of wait till I die. And th- this new kind of uh, uh cohort of older adults are saying, no, I want to, I want to keep skiing when I'm 70 and I want to travel <laughs> the world when I'm 80. And hey, guess what? I'm going to get a degree when I'm 90. You know, I mean, they're just redefining and breaking through all these stereotypes of what it means to be at those ages. And I think from a fitness perspective, we see that happening a lot with with a lot more uh, senior athletes that are, I mean, every few months, probably every week there there are new records being broken in the 80 and 90 and 100 year old categories um, at at these events all around the world because more older adults are getting into those uh, types of games and competitions and they're training for them. And again, breaking those stereotypes of what it means to be a certain age. So the last uh, live summit that we were able to hold for FAI, we held it in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we held it there because that's where the National Senior Games is taking place. And we we uh, scheduled our summit right at the beginning of the National Senior Games. So we could kind of go over there and and kind of see the events. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, it's just amazing watching these uh, individuals do things that you're I mean, you're, you're kind of saying, should you be doing that? You know, <laughs> right You're catching yourself. Hold on, you're. You're 80. Should you really be trying to pull off? Um, Maybe that's not the best thing for you, but, but they're defying again uh, what we think they should be at that age. So the national senior games, they're actually growing. It was the biggest games yet. Uh, The the one this year, I don't know how COVID was going to affect is going to affect it, but it was supposed to again, be record setting numbers of athletes participating. Uh, We see, uh, People like Mark Middleton with Growing Boulder. you know, that's a media uh, company. uh, They're they're just set on breaking the stereotypes of aging by highlighting uh, a lot of older athletes, but also just musicians and actors and, you know, people that either 70, 80, 90, and they're still contributing and still being creative, still, you know, living their best life. And um, I came across a group a couple of years ago called Aging Evolution, uh, and they're really interesting because they are uh, promoting bodybuilding and figure competition for the 50, 60, 70 plus year olds. Right. Wow. So these are people that were they were fit, they're muscular, and now they're in their 60s and they're still fit and they're still muscular. And they're trying to tell people, look, you you can be this. Right. It, it's It's you define what you want to be. Um, So we see a lot of exciting things, especially related to fitness that are coming together um, that uh, hopefully will mean really positive things for the fitness industry as we move forward, which to me means more opportunity to train older adults of all different types, such as athletes. Um, But also we're seeing more and more older adults themselves start exercising in their 70s and 80s and 90s, right? For the very first time. I mean, we had a guy, a client a couple of years ago, 89 years old. He signed up for our training. Never joined, had a, been part of a gym or anything in his life. 89, you know? Because again, he's, he's looking at his life going, you know, I think exercise would probably be good for me. I need to do it. I see all these other people doing it, why, why aren't I? So a lot of great, I think some positive energy being created to help move us forward.
1: So inspiring and just so much opportunity there. We're taking a quick break from our interview to give you some meaningful information for your continuing education and to tell you about an exciting live networking opportunity. Your passionate purpose as a trainer, coach, manager, and owner is to deliver transformational fitness experiences for your clients. If the recent past has taught us anything, it's that we must maintain the focus to continue inspiring our clients, no matter what the world throws at us. You'll find that spark and more at IDEA Personal Trainer Institute, which returns to Alexandria, Virginia, February 24th through 27th. Choose from 100 sessions on topics like the new rules of muscle growth, diversifying your offerings so your career can weather any storm, how your identity prevents you from seeing success and what to do about it, and much, much more. Plus, IDEA's first-ever Personal Trainer of the Year, Sherry McMillan, kicks off the event with an empowering Spotlight presentation on how to become more resilient in your personal and professional lives. It's time for our fitness community to rejoin and develop fresh strategies to support our clients and build unbreakable careers. To learn more about IDEA's first in-person event in two years, visit ideafit.com forward slash ptrainer or call an inspired service representative directly at 888-999-4332 extension 7. We hope to see you at IDEA Personal Trainer Institute in February. Look for the contact information in the show notes. Now let's return to our fascinating conversation. Um, along the same lines, Cody, there's been really rapid growth of what you call the oldest old or the 85-plus population. What does that mean for the fitness industry, and how should pros be positioning themselves to, to serve maybe that particular group?
0: Yes, yes. So what we're seeing is that the 100-plus 100, 100 population is technically the fastest-growing age group, but it's still a small number of centenarians so the 85 plus group, if we kind of put them all together, we kind of call those the, them the fastest growing. And what we're going to see is here in just a few years, when the boomers start hitting those 80 and 85 year old thresholds, the numbers are really going to start to go up. So kind of if you look at the trajectory, it's a very steep trajectory for the older adult market. But here soon, it's going to skyrocket for the 85 plus. So that's where it's kind of a we need to be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. The things uh, that we need to think about with the oldest, old uh, age group is that they do tend to have more problems, more physical issues, more concerns related to falls, related to dementia, related to chronic disease conditions, related to just kind of poor function overall, frailty, sarcopenia. These are, these are issues that tend to uh, come more with the 85 plus population. So older adults that aren't active, when they hit those kind of age numbers healthy, they they tend to lose their function pretty rapidly. So I think the preparation is it's it's almost like a divergence of what we were just talking about, right? There's so many more older adults that are out there, you know, even exercising uh, vigorously in sports competitions, you know, doing these games, but there's a whole nother group right that as they get older they're going to be on the and they're going to be more towards that pre-frail frail frail spectrum um those those older adults are going to need some of the very similar things but there are other more serious concerns that go along with them so when you look at some of the projections for falls as an example falls are expected to go up considerably uh, over the next 20 to 30 years dementia Expected to go up considerably over the next twenty to thirty years, and those are two life-threatening issues, right? Mm-hmm. That w- that we need to be ready for. So, in that regard, that's why you know when we look at our uh, when when we look at our approach from an education perspective through FAI, you know, we've we got our functional aging specialist certification, but two of our other really large certifications are in brain health and in tai chi, because and again, tai chi is one of those areas like we we're just talking about. I I knew nothing about Tai Chi. I'd already always heard about it as an evidence-based approach. But then when you learn Tai Chi, you realize I don't have to teach Tai Chi itself to be able to benefit from it and use those approaches and techniques with my clients. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think is so valuable about, you know, getting those broad experiences. Um, But, yeah, really trying to address, you know, fall prevention and brain health, two really big issues that are going to keep getting bigger as, as the 85-plus population grows.
1: So those seem like the, the next logical steps in the growth plan for you and Dr. Ritchie at FAI. Anything else cooking there?
0: Oh, we got a lot of things cooking. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, we've, um, what, we've also been fortunate that we, we've had a lot of uh, interest internationally in uh, you know distributing our, our education and that's always fun um there are a lot of barriers to obviously to to getting programs into other languages and you know traveling zoom has actually really helped that uh, tremendously to be able to deliver education uh have a translator so you know the costs are minimal for for being able to kind of spread that that uh, education and training but they it, kind of the international expansion is one of them but we also have um a kind of a done-for-you program called Ageless Fitness mm-hmm. that was really starting to get moving before COVID. And then, of course, COVID, we kind of backed off on everything. But we're finding a lot of trainers want a little bit more done-for-you type of resources. You know, so the, the, the our approach was always with our education that we were going to teach you how to fish, right? And you can develop all your own programs. But people are so time-pressed and kind of a stressed have so many things to juggle as a trainer, they want a, some more done for you resources from a, a training perspective, from a marketing perspective, social media posts, all that. So I just fitness is kind of that one-stop kind of uh, resource for trainers to accelerate mm-hmm. their ability to reach people. And that's, again, we're trying to think about, well, what are the barriers for people, for trainers to actually help older adults? And sometimes trainers are their their own uh, stumbling block. You know, they, they don't learn marketing and they don't learn sales and they don't learn things. I was always, I hated that stuff when I was younger, but I realized now if I want to change this person's life and they're sitting in front of me, they are their own worst stumbling block, right? So I've got to figure out how to convince them that they need to do this. Not necessarily so I'm going to make more money, but so they can have their life changed. You know, you know, it's what they need. Um, And so trying to give them uh, more and more resources so that they get more clients and then to make the training a little bit easier so they don't have to come up with all their own programs all the time.
1: Mm, that sounds like a, a great offering, and um, we're definitely going to put a link to FAI in the show notes, so um, listeners, look that up if that interests you at all. Um, Cody, I wanted to cap off our conversation about functional aging and working with this population by talking about motivation. Um, we know motivation is an issue for clients of, of any age, Um what are some of the specific challenges that you see with older adults and what are some essential motivators to get sedentary elders to start moving again
0: yeah this is the 10 billion dollar question right that we always ask we know it's good for them why don't they do it how can we get more people to do it and especially older adults that you know the, the clock is ticking pretty fast on them and um The sooner they do it, the better for sure. Well, some of the things that that we've seen, again, is that older adults are pretty similar to younger adults when it comes to some of the barriers, but their motivators are very different um, than than younger adults. So, you know, when you look at, well, my time, my schedule, the energy, I'm not sure what to do or where to go, you know, all these are, are typical barriers that we see older adults and older adults are very busy people, Right. Now they might be busy, their, their, their schedule might be more flexible than they lead on, but older adults tend to be very busy people. So that's that's still one of those barriers. But from a motivating standpoint, what we've really found works the best is focusing uh, really on that life experience that they can have later in life, right? So if you're 70, you're still looking forward, all right? You're looking back, but you're looking forward. You can't do anything about what's behind. So how what what is your life going to be like in five years when you're 75? What is your life going to be like in 10 years when you're 80? Now, that's kind of the neg- negative side of things is to get people to understand, right? They, they're they on this downward trajectory. But the positive side is to get them to understand you can change your direct trajectory, Mm-hmm. And you can jump up to a new trajectory. And that's something we really focus on. So we try to get them to verbalize what it is that's really important in their life. What are the things they need to do? What are the things they like to do? What are the things that they aspire to do that, you know, that they desire to do that they want to do and want to keep doing? And when you start having those conversations, they, they kind of convince themselves, really. Um, obviously, it doesn't work you know, uh, for every single person. But we found those are huge motivators. When they start talking about, yeah, I've got grandchildren and, you know, the the oldest grandchild is 13. Like, well, you know, I assume you want to see them graduate high school. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you want to see them graduate college. Yeah. And see them get married and maybe have great grandchildren. Now they're thinking about the future, right? They're also thinking about time with loved ones and family members and things that they that they like to do and want to experience together, right? People love to experience things together. And so they, when you start having those conversations, they really say, okay, yeah, I don't want to be the dawdling old grandma that can't keep up and has to sit down on the bench and watch everybody do something, right? They want to be in the mix of things. And maybe right now they are kind of the dawdling grandmother that can't do anything, but we know we can change that. So, Focusing really on the, the, those functional life experiences um, are, are really, to us, the, the big motivators that really, really win with people, with older adults especially. Now, some of them are still interested in things like weight loss they might be interested in managing health conditions, that sort of thing. But that can all come along with it as well. right? I think it's the function that's really the key.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like there's, uh, you know, a bit of psychology going on there, a bit of health coaching skills mm-hmm. thrown in the mix. So, again, the more the more our pros are broadening themselves to learn these other skill sets, the, the more valuable or motivational they can be to their clients or to elicit that motivation from their clients.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to switch gears here. Um a little bit. I You mentioned in our conversations before the podcast that you're sitting for your board certification in lifestyle medicine in December, I think. Um, uh- I've been following Lifestyle Medicine since the very early days, like the early 2000s, and um, I I love what I see happening there. It just keeps unfolding and getting richer. Um, I'd love for you to share um, what this specialty is all about from your perspective and why it's a natural adjunct to client care for fit pros to consider getting more involved in.
0: Yes. One thing that's been really nice, um, what, what's developed recently that I think is so needed in lifestyle medicine, is it's now becoming more defined. And that's where the American College of Lifestyle Medicine is really helping. There's so many different ideas on what lifestyle medicine maybe should be. But they said, look, here are the six pillars of lifestyle medicine that we need to focus on. These are the, the six lifestyle behaviors that we just need to concentrate around. So they're help defining what lifestyle medicine and, and the practice around it. Um, so it, it obviously the, the those six lifestyle behaviors, exercise is one of the key lifestyle behaviors. And we know American College of Sports Medicine started the Exercises Medicine campaign. That has gone really well internationally where they're trying to get more physicians, especially physicians, but all healthcare providers to use exercise as an intervention, as a treatment strategy, as a first-line treatment strategy, because in many cases, it is a first-line treatment strategy that's not utilized. Right, The medication is easier. It's easier to give them the medication. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we want to be able to train physicians how to deliver um, fitness interventions. The same could be said with nutrition and sleep and stress and all the other of lifestyle medicine. And the unfortunate part is that uh, medical schools just don't teach it, Mm. right? They're not teaching it yet. I mean, we look at nutrition, uh, evidence-based nutrition, a recent uh, research paper that surveyed different uh, medical schools showed that less than 50% included nutrition at all in their education. Um, Of those 50%, they averaged about 19 hours of education over four years. And most of the education was spent on biochemistry and nutritional deficiencies. Mm-hmm. You know, like scurvy is a big issue here in the U.S. We really got to be worried about that, right? right. So they're not, even when they are teaching about exercise or nutrition or something, they're not really teaching the right stuff. Mm-hmm. So we have this big gap here. Well, obviously, fitness professionals, we we've kind of been in a lifestyle medicine mentality for a while now, like looking holistically at our clients and understanding. All right, we got exercise. What about nutrition? What about sleep? What about stress? We, we are already dealing with uh, these issues, either formally or informally. Like when you're talking to your clients and you're chatting with your clients, you're talking about the other stuff, you know, that's going on in their life and trying to help them. So I, I'm really glad that this is now becoming, the approach is becoming more formal and an organization like ACLM is really gathering the evidence base to support what needs to be done in each of those pillars and how they work together. So how do we assess how do we how do we use interventions appropriately how do we follow up and this comes from the medical community as well all the way down to us so we obviously fit in because we are one of those uh experts uh, kind of professions that they need us for mm-hmm. um the whole idea around lifestyle medicine is we want yes we want the physician to know these things but they don't have to do all these things they do need to have a team that they can then refer people to in order to get more information in those areas. So we need fitness professionals to understand lifestyle medicine so they can be part of this lifestyle medicine team and physicians will now, hey, here's a script for, for exercise. Uh, you need to go down and see, you know, Cody, uh, he could really help you out or here, here are you know, six different places you could go, you know, that that, that will work. They can kind of carry out this script for you uh, and really support that. So I think it's a great fit for fitness professionals um, and something that's just been, I mean, it's long overdue from a um, medical perspective. You know, we, we do definitely have a sick care model yeah. rather than a healthcare care model. Um, and lifestyle medicine is a way to try to start to turn that.
1: Yeah. So clearly the route you've chosen, which is board certification and lifestyle medicine, that's, um, that's quite a commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, what, are, what are some ideas, you know, short of, you know, doing that full on commitment? What are some ways that you see fit pros can test the waters in this fast growing discipline and apply some of its very practical preventive foundations?
0: Well, I mean, definitely um, l- just learning yourself about what these pillars are, and the evidence behind these pillars, I mean, that's, you can really do that on your own, right? You can self-educate yourself. Um, and so there are books that you can buy that are focused on lifestyle medicine. I mean, I the, the book I'm using is the Lifestyle Medicine Handbook, which is kind of the official book from the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And you can get that, right? Anybody can buy that and start to learn about these different pillars and the evidence base behind it. Um, so you don't have to necessarily go through Uh, such an intensive certification like i'm going through i mean it's it's long and it's expensive you know and i've I've been able to commit to it because i am in academia you know so that with some of the other research and other things that i'm doing um but i think it's it's so valuable uh, to learn what the evidence is in these different areas and that is something that we do need as a fitness profession um like any other profession there are a lot of ideas. There are a lot of different thoughts. There's a lot of different perspectives. There's a lot of people at conferences presenting evidence you know, to support whatever their perspective is. But most of us are, are really biased about the evidence we choose because mm-hmm. uh, we know it's gonna support what we already want it to support, right? We, we're just biased people. So that's why we need to go to kind of the broad evidence and these, these groups and these organizations that are distilling the evidence for us and saying, look, this is what the evidence is showing as the, as the best approach um, and to get some consensus around that. So I think that's really important for fitness professionals to, to, to really try to stay uh, involved in what the evidence base is saying, um, from, especially in some of these other areas that you might not be that might be training, right? If exercise is it, you might not know these other areas as well. Um, So you don't have to go through the the formal uh, training like I'm going through, but you certainly do need to be selective about the resources you're going to utilize in order to inform yourself about what the evidence is.
1: Yeah, well, best of luck on sitting for your boards, and oh, um, you. I'm sure you'll come through it great. I hope so. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk about um, pandemic gym shutdowns and sort of the whole idea of denying fitness as essential. Um, I, I think it gave our industry a wake-up call um, about the work that we need to do to further legitimize what we do, sort of on the trailing on, on what you just mentioned um, yeah. when you're talking about lifestyle medicine. Do you think fitness certifications alone are enough to give our pros a place in the healthcare continuum as part of this multidisciplinary team? Or should we be looking at licensure or other avenues to boost our credibility as a industry?
0: Yeah, I have, um, you know, I've, I've thought about this before, you know, over the course of several decades, because starting off in Clinical exercise physiology, um, you know, there was a big movement for licensure in ClinEx Phys, and it gained some traction and and it was required in some places. Licensure uh, certainly elevates your profession, but there are a lot of shackles that go along with licensure. And that's, that's, I think, why so many, I think that's why it hasn't fully moved forward in the fitness industry is because there are a lot of drawbacks to it. we definitely want to elevate our profession, but I, I think that we do have some really solid certifications and really solid evidence-based programs that exist already. So when you look at some of the, you know, I, I won't name names. When we look at some of the big names, there's they're really good information, right? There's really good training strategies that are being taught. And yeah, people might disagree on on this thing here and this thing there, but ultimately, it's still all very valid training advice. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's good. I, and, and it's what kind of really dilutes the industry are so many of the lower level certifications, a lot of the in-house training programs and very short and sweet types of programs. They, they do dilute the kind of uh, profession a little bit. So I don't know that licensure is the, the solution here um, I don't even know if accreditation for you know fitness certifications is a solution uh either. I mean, we ha- we haven't gone for accreditation for our certifications because man, it's 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 really expensive for one. Mm-hmm. And again, in teaching in academia and kind of learning how to develop kind of education, I I'm also a little resistant to it, you know, as well. I mean, in, in like a physical therapy program is accredited, right? All these programs are accredited, but uh, I, I think we have some really good resources already, and so when you say like kind of sitting at the table as part of that healthcare team, there are, there are fitness professionals out there that are doing that right now, mm-hmm. right? They they they're doing it. It's just not as widespread as we need it to be. Um, I do think that even when you look at some of the bachelor's and master's programs, there there's a lot of variability in what you're being taught in those programs, and so some bachelors. Uh, programs in kinesiology you i mean it's very practical it's very applied you get out you know your stuff and other programs tend to be more theoretical you know in nature uh more you know more focused on the physiology part than the exercise part so they vary quite a bit all over the place as well again there's some movement to try to get some more similarity in, about what trainers need but um uh, those are just kind of barriers to getting us all on the same page. So I don't know if I really have an answer mm-hmm. uh, for the question. I, I do think what people can do right now is they can elevate themselves. And that's that's what I think is really uh, going to be what's what needs to be uh, happening right now is if our fitness professionals themselves say, I'm not going to settle for X, mm-hmm. Y, or Z they elevate themselves within the industry and that might be another degree or a higher level certification uh, or some other training like through lifestyle um, you know in order to show those credentials um i think is is what really needs to happen at this point
1: yeah to, um, to be continued this is a conversation that we'll we'll keep for on sure. having it it will keep evolving yeah. but um some great words of wisdom there um so thank you for sharing your thoughts on that cody so before we sign off, can you please tell people how they can connect with you, either through social media, your website, or any other means you want to point them to?
0: Absolutely, yes. And
1: then, and then if you could leave us with a parting thought for your industry colleagues.
0: Yeah. So you can just go to functionalaginginstitute.com. That's our website. That's where you'll also find us on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, so you can just search Functional Aging Institute on those, and you'll be able to find us. Uh, there. That's really the easiest way. Instead of going to my personal information, that's usually the best way to to follow what we're doing and what I'm doing. Um, And you can get in touch with us directly through email, contact at functionalaginginstitute.com. We love to hear from people. We try to answer questions and we love discussions and and ideas that people have to share. So if you got some, just please, you know, send it to that uh, email and you can put, hey, this is for Cody and, and I'll, I will get it uh, directly. So that's a great way to get in touch with me. Parting words, well, I'll tell you, there's there's a lot of positive things happening in the fitness industry right now, even though we have, have kind of gone through this problem time uh, with COVID and there have been a lot of gym shutdowns uh, and there's a lot of concern and worry. I think what we've seen, and you mentioned this, I think we've seen through this that people think gyms are essential. Uh, People uh, understand that they need to be fit. Now, many of them have turned online for their fitness because they haven't been able to get in the gym, but we do see things changing. We see things starting to grow again. So I think that's really, really a a valuable sign. Um, And especially as I kind of look at the older adult market and I look at all the different opportunities that exist there, um, that's certainly, Something that I would really encourage people to pursue uh, or to give some serious thought to if they haven't been thinking in that direction. Uh, we need more trainers to be able to work safely and effectively with older adults. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a sh- shortage of, of geriatric physicians, right? We know there, there aren't enough physicians even treating older adults. And I would say the same thing about fitness there are not enough fitness professionals that really uh, have a solid evidence-based approach to training older adults as well. And like I said, anything you can do with them is probably gonna help to a certain degree, but we really wanna help maximize their function in order to promote longevity, really kind of square off the curve, as we talked about, so they can live their best life for as long as possible. So I really encourage people to uh, think about that older adult possibility for their career.
1: So great, Cody. Thank you. Thank you so much for stopping in today. Um, Always a pleasure speaking with you and hearing what's on your mind. Um, And I hope you'll come back and tell us more about lifestyle medicine once you're board certified.
0: Oh, I would love to. Yeah, that would be great.
1: All right. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you, Sandy. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I loved interviewing Dr. Cody Seip. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, you can find the idea fit pro show at Apple podcasts and on all major podcasting platforms. We'd be honored if you took a minute to give us a rating and we'd be so grateful if you would share the show link and news about the podcast on your social feeds. Meantime, we'll keep working hard to bring you more great material like this. To learn more about Cody Sipe or to connect with him, please check today's show notes to find the links this is sandy webster signing off until next time stay positive and keep inspiring the world with your special magic don't ever forget that you make a huge difference in the lives of others and that idea is here to support you in this critical purpose thanks for all you do to make the world a healthier happier place the idea fit pro show is part of the outside inc podcasting network Many thanks to our executive producer, Jordan Leeds, and our engineer and editor, Mike Hilding. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. Reproduction without permission is strictly prohibited.